new on Curiosity Stream. With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't. Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking the ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. I don't know if you heard this, but David Price had an elbow issue. So they take an MRI, went to two of the best doctors in the world, and now everything seems to be fine. It was almost like I paid him to tell me the stuff that I wanted to hear. But what does this actually mean for Price's elbow going forward, and what exactly happened? I I don't feel like I'm equipped to tell you if he's going to be okay or if they took the right route. Or, or really, how all of this came about. But I do know a man who can help with a lot of these questions. That's why you should pay attention to this. Joining us from Newton Wellesley Orthopedic Associates, Dr. Nick Leung, once again on the Bradfoe Show. Dr. Leung, thanks so much for joining us because there is no better time. It's always good to have you on, but there's no better time than right now because the talk of baseball has to do with something that you actually are, have a lot of familiarity with, which is the human elbow. And in this case, David Price's human elbow. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. It's always a pleasure. So let's get right to it. David Price, as a lot of people know, had an elbow injury. He went through a simulated game, which means he threw two innings worth of pitches. Uh, he came out of that, and he had some discomfort in the elbow, the forearm area, and then it was enough discomfort in the forearm and elbow area to actually get an MRI. And then after that MRI, he had a second opinion, was flown up to Indianapolis to visit with two guys who are perceived as the best around, other than yourself, but <laughs> Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Neil Elitraj. Are you familiar with those guys, by the way? Oh, yeah, no question about it. Those are two of the, some of the most prominent names in sports medicine, orthopedics. To hear from two of the best elbow guys out there, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a sigh of relief. So, so if you're, if you're going to fly to Indianapolis, you would, you would conf- confirm those are two guys that you would want to fly Indianapolis for. Oh, absolutely. Those are definitely two names that most people know. 
All right, so one of the first questions I have for you is, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the elbow, is that when we heard this, when we heard second opinion, Dr. Andrews specifically, it's uh uh-oh. And I know there's been cases where he's, he's actually steered people in the opposite direction of the first opinion. But why do you get the second opinion? Is it normally when you do that, is it normally because there is something there that is very, very concerning? Or would you think that, oh, well, it's just a $30 million a year guy, so you're just covering your bases? Well, I think largely it's probably more the second. Uh, a, a player of uh, David Price's value, you certainly want to be sure and absolutely sure and double and triple check to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Um, and then I think possibly another uh, uh, reason why this might have been thought is that uh, so oftentimes you have a um, medial elbow injury, an, a pain on the inner part of the elbow in a throwing arm of uh, a pitcher. And uh, so many times that means what uh, what uh, people think is the worst, which is uh, the Tommy John injury. And um, certainly if uh, you hear that it's not and that uh, the treatment is no surgery and we're just going to uh, rest you and rehab you, uh, uh, that may possibly raise some eyebrows for an athlete at that level. So I certainly don't fault anybody for getting a second opinion about this. No, no, I don't either. And as it turns out, like I said, Dr. Andrews has steered guys one way or the other, which might have been opposite of how they were going. So it's good for the patient, good for the team. Now, when we talk about the 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 mild strain of a flexor muscle and bone spurs is what reportedly what David Price has. When we hear strain, there was an executive that told me at one point in baseball. They said, "When they say strain, that means tear." Is mm-hmm. it? Would that be accurate for the most part? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways you can word these kinds of injuries. Uh, strain is basically an injury to a muscle of some kind. A strain can be something that's very, very mild. That- you know, you feel on the weekend and uh, after playing some pickup baseball and uh, you're just sore for a few days. And it can mean something all the way to, to uh, as you were saying, uh, a tear of muscles, fibers. Uh, and then there can be varying grades of how much of that muscle you tear. And uh, with along with that, varying degrees of how long it takes one to recover and get back to throwing and playing form. So, the, uh, so you are right in... Uh, your statement of what a definition of a strain is, but uh, there's such a wide variety of strains, and uh, the, and then for that reason, there's such a wide variety of treatment. There's not always a single right answer. Right. Well, because when people, I got to be honest with you, doctor, when people hear strain, they feel like, oh, they're playing pickup basketball. Oh, I, I strained my something or other. But when they hear tear, it's it's a little bit more of a freak out situation. So I can yeah. understand. Yeah, on an MRI. It's hard to tell the difference between the two also there are a lot of times where a true muscle tear uh, can look a lot like a strain or i should say the other way around a strain can look like that just because there's so much fluid and so much swelling in the area from a strain quote unquote that it can look to the radiologist and to an experienced orthopedic surgeon like there's muscle ends that are not connected to each other so so let's go back to um the actual news of david price and and when you sort of started looking at this and researching and saw the the timeline and we talked a little bit of the timeline earlier, what was your first reaction? One of the first before you answer, one of the first things that we have to preface two things. Number one, we understand you are familiar with the condition, but not familiar with a patient, right? I'm I'm covering your basis here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm violating any privacy here. Uh, no hippolas, yes. Um, right. And you know the other thing is is that. It's just, 
you have you have a situation here where we don't we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know exactly um, the how he has felt in the past, but we do know what he said, what he's been on record saying, and that a lot of pitchers, and this is probably the case with David Price, have something in their arm because pitching is an unnatural motion. And when you have a guy who has thrown more pitches than anybody in baseball over the last three years, then he is probably going to have something in there. So. With those two aside, when you heard what happened or the sort of timeline of things, what was your initial reaction? Well, my initial reaction was the report of the bone spurs uh, is not a surprise. A guy who's been throwing as long as David Price has, uh, to not have anything abnormal on the MRI would be a surprise. Uh, We treat a lot of uh, even child athletes and teenage athletes, and you can get MRI and even see uh, kids who have been playing baseball since they were uh, you know, just young enough to even get into any little league by the time they're in their teenage years may even have bone spurs. So these bone spurs, quote unquote again, mm-hmm. uh, are not a surprise to me. The strain in the form, that's the more the acute injury. That's the more the issue that he's facing now, it sounds like. And uh, that's certainly the hardest one to call. Uh, like I said before, there's so much variability in what a strain is and uh, or in uh, variability in what a muscle injury is. And uh, so I don't envy any guy that has to be any of the doctors like that. Uh, Dr. Andrews or El Trash, they have to be in this situation to look at it and say, well, we have to look at this injury, look at you, the athlete, look at what the calendar of a season is, and then be able to make some prediction about when you're going to be able to get back. Uh, it's a hard, it's uh, it's a very hard thing to do, and nobody has a crystal ball. Well, what is what is the reality when you have something of this of this not getting worse? Because this is sort of the narrative that we've been talking about for the last couple of days since the diagnosis. It was great. It was great. It was the best diagnosis that you could ever have. But still, there's something there. There's something that made this happen. There's something that gave the discomfort before. And probably down the line, there is going to be something because, once again, it is an unnatural act to throw a baseball. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that would definitely be fair to say. Uh, I think the good news part of this is that it just wasn't a Tommy John. I think you're just looking at the situation and saying, well, this isn't great news, but at least it isn't horrible news. Uh, if, uh, at that level that these that professional league players are, are throwing, uh, even something that is a strain or a muscle injury can be a significant performance affecting factor. So this is really something that they're going to really have to take day by day and week by week. But we do know, at least from based on the reports by uh, Trash and Andrews, that it does not appear to need Tommy John surgery. That would be the one thing that would be the dagger in a season. He would be out and uh, out for a year, possibly more. Yeah, and and that's the thing that everyone was waiting. The first thing after the the diagnosis came out, the first thing everyone wanted to know: surgery. Okay, no surgery. Now the next right. thing on the list was PRP injections, platelet-rich plasma injections, which seems to be a big thing now. Um, and and that, correct me if I'm wrong, that's sort of, if you're not getting Tommy John, this is the other course of action you can take that's not going to put you out for a year. First of all, mm-hmm. can you explain what exactly that is? Yeah, a PRP stands for a platelet-rich plasma injection, and that's a procedure where your blood is drawn, like a lot of blood, not just what you would get from a normal lab test on your annual physical um, but usually uh, a large amount, like a 60cc amount of uh, blood, and that's put through a little centrifuge, which literally just spins it at a certain speed and a certain time so that there's a concentration of growth factors and platelets at the bottom of the tube. And then it's that stuff that's drawn off and then re-injected in a very concentrated form into the injured part. And 
in uh, theory, what that does is it produces rapid healing of the injured part. So, uh, so it's great for, uh, in theory, it's great for uh, soft tissue injuries like tendons and muscles. So why w- why wouldn't they do this in this case? Uh, well, it keeps you out. It keeps you out a month. Or, this to clarify, this isn't something that you just do and then you're back within a week. This will keep you out for a month or two, right? Right, right. It sounds very benign because it's just an injection, but it, the site that's injected get, does get pretty sore and stays very sore and swollen for a while. Um, and uh, but other than that, there are not really any physical downsides. So there are things like cortisone injections, which get a bit of a bad rap because uh, too many of those can actually weaken structure and and lead to a rupture of the injured structure. But a PRP injection doesn't seem to, as far as we know on any of the published information out there, doesn't seem to have any of that side effect. The, so when you when you in this case, once again, we clarify we don't know the patient, we know don't we haven't seen the MRIs and and you don't know the, exactly what is going on, but. The doubt when when they come out and say there's no surgery, and then they say no PRP. I think that's when people got really excited because, like, yeah. oh, oh my goodness, this really must be nothing. Um, right. And and is that sort of how you, not nothing, but is that how how you took it? Well, if they aren't doing the PRP, then they really must be optimistic about this. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the way I would take that is that uh, it's uh, you when you make a decision for something like a PRP, you just weigh the plus pros and the cons. And uh, so if the athlete in this situation is just really bad off, is probably not even able to play or practice at all, then I think you lose nothing and just do the PRP injection. But if he's, what it sounds like is feeling good enough to get back and start throwing again, then the PRP would actually set him back temporarily and he'd be out for a week or two uh, with a swollen, bruised arm after just having the injection. So he may be, they may have looked at this looked at the pros and cons and said, you know what, you're probably too good to even have this injection right now, and it wouldn't really help you a whole heck of a lot and make you better than you already are. That's my take on it. Yeah, anyway. it, and that's sort of – I'm glad you said that. It's very informative because that's sort of the road that I thought they were going down. And along those lines, and, and just to deviate a little bit from Price, Drew Pomerantz is a guy in the Red Sox pitching staff this, this off season, chose not to have the PRP and actually had stem cell injections. Do you know anything about this or what the difference is? And I, I'm not saying that this is what Price should have done, but yeah. it, it seems talking to Pomerantz about it, he said this is sort of the next wave of approach that a lot of these guys are going to be taking. Yeah, well, both PRP and stem cell injections are still in a, a very experimental uh, realm of medicine. There, uh, certainly things that technologies that have been shown not to have any significant harms. Um, so they don't really go through the same kind of regulatory pathways as a lot of drugs and uh, medical devices. Um, there's basically your own, you know, your own stuff. You're just essentially, uh, to put it in a kind of a blunt way, blood doping. But um, it's uh, so these are things which are still very experimental, and not a lot of data has been collected uh, to show that they really do a whole lot. Now there's a lot of not very rigorous data that shows that they do have benefit, and there's, then there's also a lot of very good animal experiments that shows that at a molecular level, these things really are doing something. So uh, I think when you're at the level of an athlete, once again, like David Price, uh, you will do these things because there's a possible upside and almost no downside. And there's a lot of expense because these things aren't covered by insurance because they're experimental. But when you're an athlete with a $217 million contract, the cost for these things is a drop in the bucket. Well, well, why would why would Pomerantz do? And I, he's he's explained to me, but in in the ultimate layman's terms. But yeah. why would you say I'm doing stem cell instead of PRP? 
that's uh, there's. I'm sure the probably the, the practitioner who's given these uh, injections probably has their own rationale and reasoning for it. Um, there, uh, there's a lot of it which is anecdotal medicine. Uh, things, you know, of anecdotes meaning like, well, I gave it to you know these athletes and they did really well. And um, there's also a lot of uh, sort of uh, rationalizing and a belief in the, the science that it will work, uh, even though it hasn't yet been borne out in large scale very rigorously done studies. So a lot of those probably enter into decision-making of PRP versus stem cells and probably flip the polymer in one way or another. But um, uh, it's not to say that, that is a bad, those are bad reasons. See, this is one of the benefits of covering baseball. I, I seem very intelligent throwing around these terms, and, and uh-huh. it's, it's only because it is thrown at me every single day, and I'm, I'm really not intelligent at all. Um, and that's why I'm having you on, because you are intelligent and know about this, Dr. Nick oh, Leung, Newton Wellesley, Orthopedic Associates. Um, Thank you. Uh, and so, okay, so no PRP, no stem cell injections. What they landed at is is seven to ten days of, of now I'm holding up my quote fingers, rest, and medication. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Once again, we don't know the, exactly the situation, but what is your guess in terms of what type of medication this is where you would say, take this medication for seven to ten days and then we'll regroup and reevaluate? Well, in most cases, it would just be something as simple as your over-the-counter pain reliever, Tylenol, ibuprofen, Aleve. Uh, these things aren't exotic or sexy sounding, but <laughs> that's what we do and that's what most people do in that initial period of rest and uh, just trying to get the pain and inflammation down. Well, I mean, that's. I'm glad you said that because I was I was bracing myself for some sort of medicine that I could <laughs> not spell in a million different in million yeah, years. Yeah. No, no, these athletes aren't getting some access to the good stuff that we aren't all. Getting. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, you said this was a great expense. I mean, let's be honest. Number one, even if it was a great expense to the players, it's not a problem. And number uh-huh. two, there's no way the team's not paying for that. I don't care if it's insured or not. <laughs> Exactly. This is basically this is basically like the equivalent of those guys getting fined for wearing the wrong cleats. The team's always right. going to step up. Um, yeah. But uh, so, all right. So let's say he gets through the seven to ten days. Um, now he's not going to meet with the the Dr. Andrews, Dr. Elatroch again after the seven to ten days, and then and then you go you take the medicine, you take the Tylenol, you take the uh, the children's Tylenol, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> you take the five hour energy, whatever it's going to get you through the day, and and so you get to the end of there that time span. So now, what do you do? Do you do you think that there's another MRI involved? Do you think that uh, it's just hey, you know, this see how it feels when you throw a baseball? You do a strength test. What do you do that makes you feel like he can actually not necessarily get on a mound again, but just throw, start throwing? Yeah, yeah. So this is really where you know uh, the art of medicine comes in. It's not. Uh, there's a lot of science in medicine, but in, especially in a field like orthopedic sports medicine, there's a lot of an art, and uh, every patient is different. And it's really, truly, uh, in a sports terms, a day by day. So we examine the patient, question the patient, have them go through some of the motions, and essentially get a gist of how it is. And based on a lot, a lot of it is based on experience and just looking at how. You, from a physician's perspective, how you think this athlete's going to do and whether they're ready to move on. And, uh, yeah, at that level, uh, the team physicians are keeping a close tabs on the athlete and saying, all right, this one's good. I'm giving the green light to go on to the next phase. And uh, and certainly there's uh, – uh, so your question being, uh, what do you do at the end of the seven to ten days? So, yeah, if Dave's probably feeling pretty good, 
good. Then you start him on uh, some some more rigorous strengthening uh, combined with some uh, throwing. Um, and uh, in I guess in baseball terms, it would be a, like an interval throwing program where you're starting with uh, uh, like half speed pitches, sure. and, uh, shorter shorter distances, and you're slowly week by week working according to a written program that puts you uh, at longer distances and higher velocities. You know, I'll, I'll know when I feel good enough to go out there and throw a baseball, and I'll know when I need to back it down or, or whatever I need to do. You know, actually, to, uh, to listen to my body, and you know, that's, that's something I've talked about for a while. That's something I feel like I do a pretty good job of. So um, we have a very good training staff here, and they'll get me back out there. By the, it's, if there's any... From your experience, if there's – say that there's there's any discomfort at all. It's not the discomfort. He yeah. said he's had discomfort before and it wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal. But now yeah. you've gone through this process and, and you're going and you're going and you have a little discomfort but you can still throw. I mean, when at what point do you actually go back in the MRI booth? I know it's not called the MRI booth, but the MRI yeah. machine. The MRI magnet. Yeah. The MRI, yeah, go into the magnet. And and at what point do you do you do that, or do you just totally drop it? Is this – because it must be a very, very fine line for these pitchers because, once again, there's always something wrong with them. It's just – a lot of times it's just how much can you tolerate. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, so if you uh, were to make a decision to go back to the MRI, it would probably be that you're thinking that maybe the first MRI missed something or that something has dramatically changed for the worse, and you may be revisiting the option of doing a surgery. And uh, certainly if you're revisiting the option of a surgery, you want to get an MRI in these instances. Um, I think it's – I personally think it would be unlikely that he's going to go back to getting an MRI. I think probably the worst-case scenario, it sounds like, is that he'll probably progress on some kind of a throwing program and uh, he'll either do great or he will kind of go along a little slower depending on how bad his injury is. I, I highly doubt it would be he goes back on this program and just dramatically suddenly gets worse. Well, well uh, what makes it also difficult, Doctor, is that you're dealing with a magical elbow. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is the, the quote. The quote was, was David Price said, I, the doctors and these two renowned doctors said that he has a very unique elbow. I have uh, a very unique elbow, you know, and that was, um, I've, I've heard that before, but, you know, not from, you know, guys that have, you know, done the surgeries that they've done and, and looked as, as many elbows as, you know, they've looked at. Yeah. I'll say it for a third time on this podcast. You do not have the MRIs. You do not know David Price's elbow. Right. But please tell me, because I think that of all the things that people listen to on this podcast want to know, they want to know, how do you have a unique elbow? Because I've always looked, all the elbows that I've looked at look exactly the same. Yeah, I would say, so I a lot of elbows are very different, and uh, David Price's elbow is undoubtedly different from most of ours, uh, being able to do what it does. Um if I had to take a best guess, I would say replace the word unique with lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tear your Tommy, you didn't tear your medial collateral ligament. You don't need a Tommy John. So many other pitchers have gone down that road. He somehow didn't and uh, has a chance at keeping the season. Well, okay, so uh, so how how is that the case? How How is it your best guess that a guy is able to avoid that? Is it because you have a more developed uh, a muscle in your elbow? Is it just because of, I don't know. Is is there a reason why a guy might be uh, less affected by that many pitches and be able to, when he does have some soreness there, be able to avoid the, the TG word? <laughs> yeah. It is possible that he just has uh, 
you know, a, a very well-developed, good throwing form, good technique, uh, well-developed flexor pronator muscles, and uh, has been able to somehow spare hurting that ligament, uh, but at the expense of where is the where is the flex where is the flexor pronated muscle? I mean, just be- oh yeah. So uh, these are these big, it's a big group of muscles that comes up the inner elbow, and they cover most of the forearm on that side, like the side that you know rubs up against your chest when you're walking, you know. And these muscles control a whole bunch of functions, including uh, rotation of the forearm, flexion of the wrist, and, and grip with the fingers. So these are all very important for throwing. And uh, so it's a pretty big body muscle. Like if you make a big forearm muscle, um, it's just, it's the most prominent one that you prominent one that you would see on the inside. And it's a group of uh, about five different muscles. It's not just one muscle here. Let's see. I mean, that's so now everyone's going to be focused on looking at his his forearm, saying, "Wow, yeah. man, that that what the best flexor pronated muscle in the entire American League, right there." Yeah, that's right. Um, right. Protected the, his ligament with it. Exactly. The, yeah, well, listen, whatever it takes. The last question is: Is that I'm just from your perspective? I'm asking all these questions, and and you're giving awesome answers, and you have a perspective like. I couldn't I, – I, that nobody I've talked to certainly since this happened has had. From your perspective, though, when, you, when you're talking about this stuff and when you hear about David Price in a hotel suite with these two orthopedists, is it, is it sort of – is it fascinating to you what they might be doing there, how they're testing? <laughs> is it, is, I mean, does something like this – do you wish you were in that hotel room watching I, I what, they were, what was going on? Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the one actually making these calls, <laughs> making these decisions. But uh, yeah, certainly I would love to be a fly on that wall. It's uh, it's one of the beauties of orthopedics. It's one of these uh, uh, sciences which is uh, so much practice on physical exam and, uh, and and history and physical and experience. And, and then to some degree, you're helped out by the MRI here as well. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, there's, there's no MRI machine in that hotel room, so no. they they have the MRI, which they're they're basing they they're using to uh, to have the second opinion. So they have the MRI. They've evaluated the MRI. When they get to the room there and they have him right there, what are they doing? Are they just manipulating his arm, manipulating his elbow? What are they doing? Oh, yeah. A physical exam of the elbow can be quickly performed anywhere. It can be performed on, on the field, in the clinic, in the training room, in a hotel room. And uh, if you have the MRI there and x-rays, and nowadays these are universally uh, easily accessible just with an Internet connection or a CD um, from wherever you got the MRI, then uh, you've got all the information at your fingertips. But what can these guys do? Is it to the level where they can they can manipulate the elbow, manipulate the arm in certain degrees, uh, in certain ways that is going to tell you almost as much as the MRI can tell you? In other words, like this isn't like oh my arm, like Rodney Dangerfield in, in Caddyshack, oh my arm. But yeah. it's it, but can they actually? There are their their expertise is to the level where they can poke and prod and bend and say, you have this? Yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt uh, that with a few good pointed questions and a good exam of the elbow for the for a good 10 minutes or so, you can uh, get to a pretty good idea of what is going on. The MRI is really what's going to clinch it in this case, and it's really there just to answer the one question, is, is your ligament torn or is it not torn? But uh, so, um, so in many cases, you can sort of make that diagnosis. Uh, a good experienced orthopedic sports surgeon can make that diagnosis without looking at that MRI. Um, again, it's when you start to make a really big decision, like, are we going to do surgery on this guy? You may want to get that MRI beforehand, um, well, especially when you're dealing with such a high-stakes player, uh, patient like this. 
Yeah, well, I mean, this is why we're talking about it because it is the highest of the high stakes, and yeah, and and when and we when we have a question about thirty million dollar year players, we call you Doctor Nick Leung, Newton Wellesley oh, Orthopedic Associates. Thank uh, thanks so much. Uh, you've been you've been ten times more informative of any guest I've had on this podcast over the last year, particularly Dustin Bedroya, who just yelled at me. Um, so so I really appreciate it, Doctor, and uh, and I look forward to talking with you down the road. All right, it's my pleasure. Thank you for again for uh, having me. New on Curiosity Stream. From time to time, we have collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them, we study them, we hope the big one never comes. Don't look up, it's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. 